Welcome to the Top M&A Entrepreneurs. This episode is brought to you by the DealFlow system. You want more DealFlow? Go to dealflowsystem.net. Today, my guest is Steven Spear. Steven is founder and CEO. He's an online business acquisition advisor for e-commerce lending and focal point lending. And he does uh, basically SBA for all of that. So welcome to the show, Steven. How are you? Thanks for having me on, John. Appreciate it. Yeah, so I got to go back. How did you get into lending? Because I'm looking at your LinkedIn and you've been in lending forever since San Diego. <laughs> forever. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, I'm originally from Southern California. Um, I went to school in San Diego, uh, School of Business, and then met my wife at a wedding. Um, and then she was from Illinois. Uh, I promptly moved to Chicago. And uh, we got married and uh, I lived in Chicago. I was supposed to be there just a couple of years. I ended up staying 20 years and uh, and four kids later. And uh, it became less and less desirable to live there. And I got to a point in my career where I could live anywhere. And we had a second home in Florida, and which eventually became our permanent resi- uh, residency here in Florida, in Tampa, actually. So let's let me let me start this off by talking about focal point lending, uh, traditional business acquisition financing. And now that's SBA and other financing, or is it just SBA? So what what transpired about ten years ago is I, I started um, doing more and more um, online business acquisitions. Yeah, yeah, and 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 almost did exclusively that, but and then kind of our reputation thankfully kind of spread to the more brick and mortar uh area which i've done a ton of brick and mortar MA. and people were getting confused they're like wait a second i'm built buying a manufacturing company but you're e-commerce lending so we then pivoted and opened up a dba focal point lending everything runs the same it's just um uh, it's a branding yeah branding uh, pivot. So, yeah. yeah. Which one do you do more more of the uh, traditional financing, SBA lending for brick and mortar, or e commerce? Uh, e commerce. Yeah, uh, we do about eighty twenty. I would say. Oh, okay. Uh, but but our brick and mortar is expanding. Even though we've done, I think over my, my career, I've obviously done more brick and mortar business because you know there wasn't really e commerce, but uh, it, that's expanding, especially uh, since adding. Uh, our nine non-SBA uh, lending facilities uh, for the larger deals. We're getting a lot more uh, traction on the on the brick and mortar side. So, what does an e-commerce lending look like? Because normally, if somebody goes to a traditional, they're looking for some kind of collateral, something. What, what's an e-commerce loan look like? The size of the loan, what you look for in the founder, you know, all the details. Like, hey, I. I I just saw a business on Empire Flippers or Quiet Light or Latonas or somewhere. I, I uh, uh, can I go get it? Right. So, I mean, uh, primarily, uh, what we look for, um, you know, let's just say deals from about a million, roughly a million dollars to seven million. Those are going to be uh, gravitating more towards our our SBA uh, facility. That's top um, line. That's top line revenue, right? One million to seven million. Uh, that's acquisition price. Yeah, yeah, acquisition price. Okay. Acquisitions from one million to seven million that falls in our SBA uh, facility bucket. Let's call it. 
Um, and in terms of collateral, the SBA doesn't require any collateral. So that's kind of a mute issue. The only time they they require, not require, but they they try to obtain collateral is if someone uh, owns a home and then they'll lien that property. But other than that, there's really no collateral. We've done uh, close to a billion dollars uh, of SBA financing for those uh, for those size deals. Wait a minute, you've done how many deals is that? If it's like one to seven million, oh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Yeah, and they hundreds. so yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, so they yeah. come to you. They have an e-commerce store. Could it be a fulfillment by Amazon and or Shopify or Big Commerce? Any of those kind of stars? Yeah, I, I could kind of walk you through it. Primarily, you know, first and foremost, we consult our clients prior to them even starting their search. So they come to us. Uh, we have a very, I think, a very good reputation in the marketplace. So they come to us and they say, okay, I want to buy um, e-commerce business. It could be a SaaS business. It could be, uh, you know, digital marketing type type business. And, um, and we pre-qualify them. We look at their business acumen, John, and we look at their personal liquidity and then come up with a reasonable number uh, for them to go out and uh, look for those opportunities. And we also assist in helping them find those opportunities. Uh, we do, we're starting to do a lot more of that. Uh, and then they go and look for businesses. And then once they find a business or businesses that they're in, really interested in moving forward, with an offer, then we vet the business. We make sure the business um, is financeable. And then we go back to them and say, yes, John, that the business you're interested in is, uh, we could definitely short financing for this business. And then the next step is assisting them with drafting their letter of intent. And then they yeah. move forward. Let with me, let me before you go too far, let me ask you about what you mean by business acumen and liquidity. I understand the liquidity is like, hey, how much, how much money do you have in your 401k or how much in your cash can you put into the deal? The 10% skin in the game. What are you qualifying as acumen and how do you rate that or score that? Um, first, we look at the potential acquisition price. Um, generally, any deal $2 million and below, meaning price, um, we look for direct or indirect uh, business experience. So if someone worked for a company and they're buying something, uh, buying a bit, trying to buy a business roughly with the same type of um, skills set that that's needed, we're okay with that. As we kind of work up the food chain, though, then we looking we're more looking towards direct uh, industry experience or having a partner that has that direct industry experience. We've kind of done it both ways. Well, what do you rate on a score if they brought enough liquidity to the business, but they didn't have the direct experience? Let's say they were working at W2 for some other company and they've never owned a business because, you know, running product marketing or running Facebook ads for another company, not owning is a lot different than owning it and running, wearing all the hats. Um, that's honestly kind of close enough for us. If, oh, okay. if that's what they're doing. Yeah, we're OK with that. Um, and oftentimes let's just say it's somebody just trying to get out of their corporate job job. Um, and they don't have that even rough indirect skill set. Oftentimes we'll coach them, like bring a, someone on that does have that skill set. And in most, most cases they are able to do that. And then we have a key, key employee that's able to slot in and, and provide that, that direct industry experience. Yeah. 
And is that a, you said that's a key employee. Would that key employee also be a partner? Say the, I think the SBA requirement is 20% has to put up their personal guarantee, right? Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a partner and it, and the person doesn't have to have 20%, um, 20% ownership at all. Okay. Something less than that. Yeah. Okay. For example, we're working on a deal right now where um, the there's an employee working at this given business. He's going to have 10% ownership when our client buys that business. First off, it, you know, he has a vested interest in the business. Secondly, he's going to stick around. I mean, he's going to, He's the guy, yeah. person running it, right? Or creating the market, yeah. Right. He's running it right now. He's going to continue to run it with the new owner, uh, and he's been given 10% ownership. Yeah. Do you find more people are coming to you after they found a business on a website like Quiet Light or uh, Empire Flippers or Flippa or Microacquire, or they're coming exactly. to you originally? Yeah. They generally come to us beforehand. I'm not saying that they don't come to us once they find a business, but we really coach them pretty heavily in the process. And also um, what's really helped, John, is that we've laid out the entire process on our website uh, and, and it's prompted people to go, gosh, instead of waiting to put an offer in on a business, then going to e-commerce learning, we're just, we're going to, we're going to have them help us in our, in our, acquisition and, and have them part of our acquisition team. So it's worked out quite well. Yeah, I think that's good because I, I get a lot of people coming to me and it goes, hey, can you help me raise the capital for this offer? And I go, well, congratulations, you structured a deal. It's not going to work because <laughs> right. there's no bank to lend on that. Or like, you know, uh, there's a business I was uh, talking to a, a logistics company. It's an offline business and they, you know, they had four years of revenue. Uh, they lost money in 2019. They barely made 43,000 in 2020. 21 was great. It killed it. 2022 killed it, but they only have really one year and eight months of revenue. And it's not probable with the bank alone on that based on that kind of revenue. Right. Especially with SBA financing. And I'll get into our other facility a little bit later yeah. in the conversation, but with SBA financing, um, it's historical. Uh, they look at two years plus year to date, uh, whereas most business brokers, it's all about trailing 12 months. That's that's all they're looking at. That's all their sellers are looking at trailing 12 months. Let's put the price de uh, determination um, pegged on that trailing 12 months, whereas the disconnect here is that that's that's the broker and the seller. And then with SBA financing, you know, we look at we we look at uh, you know a historical cash flow. You got to have at least 12 for 24 months of trailing revenue. Some type of history. months of of you know you know basically two years of full years tax returns. Oh, okay. So, well, what happens if they change the business model? Like 2022, or let's say they had 12 months, but one month was a one business model, and one year was a different business model of different products does that matter no no we've had we've had clients um get rid of a lot of their products most recently we had a client um have a lot of products that were just low margin and they got rid of all those products they don't no longer sell the product so revenue tanked but also uh, i'm sorry top line revenue tanked 
the bottom line revenue actually went up. Yeah, because- I'm kind of referring to a business that let's say was selling physical products to a business that's just selling digital products where the margins are higher and they go, okay, we only have 12 months of this and 12 months of physical products, but so we don't have 24 months of, uh, you know, history. Yeah, it would be really hard to put a narrative together around that. Yeah, gotcha. Because they're, they're sw- completely switching gears. Yeah. And how many of those e-commerce loans do you do? I mean, how many do you talk to per week, per day, per month that they are in your pipeline? Oh, wow. Um, generally, at a given time, we generally have in total pipeline 40 million, 30 million, 40 million. And they're usually so, around one to seven million. So that's quite a bit. Yeah. Right. So our average loan amount right now is above two million. Yeah. But we do smaller, I mean, we do smaller loans. And now, you know, with our capital access fund, we're now doing loans 10, 20, 30 million dollars and up. So this is past that. Let me before we go on to that, um, are these first-time buyers or are they serial acquirers? Or is both. there a, a mix of both? Is 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 anything changing in that ratio? No, um, a lot of both. Um, we have clients that are buying, you know, a number of, of different businesses. We have a client right now buying three separate businesses concurrently at the uh, same so time. At the same time, yeah. Was he a, uh, a acquirer of other e-commerce businesses before? Or is this his first one? Yeah. Uh, no, he he owns one right now, and he's buying three more. Yeah. Is yeah. is there any limitation on getting an SBA loan on one business, and then going to buy try to buy another SBA loan, having trying to get another SBA loan on a second business, same time or or three or six months later, and the personal guarantee not able to cover both of those or multiple. You could have multiple SBA loans, and um, so you can have multiple SBA loans, but you're capped at a total of five million dollars outstanding loan amount. Yeah. So, I have we have clients with multiple SBA loans. So you're capped out at the five million that you can lend, but I can have five SBA loans at a time, or ten, or twenty. Yes, as long as you're below that five million dollar threshold. Well, that's it. Well, what if? Uh, well, let's say if I want to buy, I'll build a fifty million dollar holding company business. I can't. I mean, and I'm going to have, let's say, uh, you know, ten five million dollar businesses. Well, let me back up. Five million dollars cumulative threshold. Okay. So all loans combined, not not five million dollars each acquisition. Right. How, how would I do that? I mean, you know, if I was. How would I buy one company? Great. I got the first company for an SBA loan. It's a $5 million business. I had to borrow $4 million from the SBA. I put 10% down. I got some seller financing. And then I'm really good at this. I grew it. I buy to build and maybe to sell. And now I want to do it like in a holding company. I want to have 10 others of these, kind of like an Andrew Wilkinson does. He's got 40 different businesses. How do I do that with SBA or can I? Well, you can't really because, again, you're capped at a $5 million cumulative outstanding loan amount. So if you you just closed on one deal a year ago and you borrowed $4 million and let's say still owe $4 million, 
you 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 only have one million dollars left uh, to be able to borrow with that. Oh, so SBA. I have to finance sets the next acquisition some other way. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And is that why you started your fund, or is that because you you saw people wanting making larger acquisitions? Uh, because there was a real um, void for the larger acquisitions. It was very easy to get financing up to seven million, but we we have clients that were, you know, looking at eight, 10, 15, 20 million dollar acquisitions, and it was too small for private equity generally, um, and 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 too large for SBA. So there's this, you know, no man's land. And uh, you know, I I tried for the last seven years to try to fill that void, and finally everything came together this year after. Uh, turning over many rocks, and uh, we successfully put together uh, this program. And it's uh, we I think we rolled it out in beginning of May, and it's we have hundreds of millions of dollars worth of deals going on right now. So yeah, is that a, uh, a fund you raise, or is that a relationship with a another bank or institution or or fund? Uh, multiple relationships with multiple funds. Yeah, and then. And then Depending on the deal, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I was just saying, depending on the deal, we know which which uh, which fund to go to, because each fund's vastly different, and uh, some some like these kinds of deals, some like those kinds of deals. So we're able to determine where to uh, where to which facility to uh, to go after. So when you say these kind of deals, that kind of deals, are, are you referring to like, you know, you have a institutional investor, whoever it is, looking for SaaS companies, you have a different fund that only looks for FBA business and a different fund mm -hmm. that looks for uh, right. you know, traditional e-commerce, Shopify kind of stores, over 7 million. Yeah. Yes. And it, it, it can also be brick and mortar. Um, right now we're working on a deal where it's an apparel business and some of our uh, some of our funds don't like apparel and some love apparel. So it just, we're able to, depending, depending on the actual deal and, and the structure of the deal where we know exactly where to go with that, um, yeah. that opportunity. What, uh, what does the interest rate look like on that? And what are the terms, uh, you know, for let's say SBA is, is it 6% right now for SBA or is it 8%? SBA is eight and a quarter. Eight and right a quarter now. for 10 years, yeah. right? 10 years. And now this, if I was to borrow $15 million for an acquisition and it's online content site, very profitable guy wants, uh, let's say $12 million for it. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, one thing about, you know, when you go outside the SBA, SBA is very much, um, you know, cut and dry. It's eight and a quarter percent, 10 years, no matter where you go. That's right. that's, that's SBA. Um, so we're... With our funds, it really depends on the business. But to kind of give you an idea, it, it could be the interest rate could be seven percent. It could be up to twelve percent, maybe like a span like that. It could be with different debt stacking. You could have mezzanine in there. You could have a um, equity roll. It's very, um, it, it's very fluid. It's very uh, it really depends on a deal. Of the deals we're working on right now, there's no one debt structure that resembles another. So yeah. that's that's. You know, so if I brought you a cool. deal that looked like that characteristics, it they were selling for 12 million. It's a content site, um, very profitable. And I got you the finances for this, like the income statement, cash flow statement, balance sheet for three years. You need it for longer or just three years? 
Um, actually, shorter. I mean, primarily, most of our funds go off of tra trailing 12 months, oddly enough. Just um, I mean, trailing they, 12 I mean, months. Yeah. That's that's really what they peg their decision on, but they do require financials for at least two years. Yeah. And if the deal's above seven million, they require a quality of earnings report as well. Yeah. So who would pay for that quality of earnings report? Would that the buyer pay for that? Or can I put that into the sale if it's yeah, the buyer would pay for that. Yeah. What are those uh what's a what's the level of quality earnings that they look for from a top five accounting firm or can i get one from you know uh uh cpa registered let's say state by state yeah. cpa yeah i mean it's, it's very um lenient when it comes to that uh it doesn't have to be you know it, it could it really it, it has to look like a quality of earnings report i mean it can't come from the buyer the buyer can't put together a quality of earnings report but as long as it's a reputable firm, we're good with that. Yeah. Uh, but doesn't the quality of earnings report, I mean, they go pretty deep on the financial audit of it. Go, They go back farther than just uh, trailing 12 months. Oh, yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. Yeah. But so in terms of need, decision. Need, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so quality earnings report is, is really to, to look at the viability of the business. And yes, they do look at the financials, but... They really peg their loan decision on, I mean, they really look at trailing 12 months in terms of multiples when they look at, you know, how much they're willing to lend on any specific deal. They're they're really pegged on the trailing 12 months. And how much of the deal will they do on this, this larger acquisition? 100%, 90%, 80%? I would say you could get creative and, and um, I would say 90% is probably a good rule of thumb. But sometimes there's an equity role. You have a seller staying on and rolling 20% or a seller note. I mean, you could get really um you could get really crafty with the with the structure depending yeah. on the deal. Uh, uh, so how much would the buyer need to put in, like the skin in the game, their part of portion of equity? But if if they're able to do sometimes if they're able to roll, you know, basically roll any sort of equity of their current existing businesses, meaning they own a business, they have very little debt on it, and there's enough equity there. Uh, we could definitely include that. Um, so that's that's really in, in a lot of our clients when they do buy you know twenty thirty million dollar business, they have that and they're willing to to offer that in lieu of cash. Yeah. Um, on the cash side, ten percent, and it could come from the buyers and or their investors. Any other so investors? Yeah. In other investors, typically they do have, a, typically it is a group and they are cumulatively putting together the 10%. And does that group need to look like anything specific requirements or red flags? Not, I mean, could it be a group of 13 investors or a hundred or just a fund? Um, it gets, it gets a little bit more difficult when there are just a ton of people, but it, it's not uh, generally from what we see. Generally it's a handful of people maybe up to five generally. Yeah. Usually it's not hundreds of investors. Generally it's it's a group of investors. Are you like seeing anybody leapfrog right into their first, let's say acquisition, a larger one, 12, $15 million and skip the, you know, stair-stepping from, you know, the, uh, hey, I bought a 1 million. Now I go to a 5 million. Now I'm going to a seven. Now I want to go to a 12. 
Well, what's interesting, interesting that you brought that up and very good question. We have had clients that thought they were limited by a five or $7 million acquisition. And then when we explain about our, our program, our, our capital markets program, they're like, well, and we look at their personal liquidity, we're like, well, this guy could afford a $10 million business or a $20 million yeah. business. So we've had a, a, a fair amount of clients actually like back to your point, leapfrog over and, and really look at a $12 million acquisition or a $15 million acquisition. Yeah. I mean, that's a, you're going to get higher multiples on that. Let me, let me go back to the, I under, I'm not understanding the 12 month history because if you're going to take a loan out for $15 million, they're going to want to know your terms are going to be three or five or seven years, right? Something like that. And they're going to want to know that that business has history to be able to do that for three, five, seven years. Why would they only look at, you know, 12 months, trailing 12 months? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of miscommunication. So lenders look at, um, they do look at, make sh- they make sure they're historical earnings. But in terms of their lending decision, they're really, in terms of how much they're willing to lend, they primarily peg their decision on a trailing 12 months. They're not saying, okay, if your business has been around for 12 months, we're good to go. They're yeah. saying, okay, we look at his, you know, we need historicals, but we really dial in on the trailing 12 months. Gotcha. I gotcha. I mean, I understand because like 2020, you throw out with COVID, 2021 is 12 months and 2022 is only eight months right now. So yeah, yeah. yeah. that's interesting. And that is pretty much any type of business, would you say, uh, or is it e-commerce, SaaS, or no? I mean, we we lend, uh, like I mentioned, we lend in the brick and mortar space as well, and uh, and quite a bit of it actually. So, uh, I think the only businesses that people get squirrely on anything dealing with gambling or uh, you know porn sites or things like of that nature, but really. Uh, wide array. Um, we're also uh, we also have a facility for um, uh, not that we're totally getting into it, but we do have a facility for any sort of uh, cannabis business acquisitions, which is really hard because if um, if you're a financial institution and you're regulated by the federal government, you're not allowed to lend it to cannabis businesses. So that's something we do have uh, the ability to uh, to fund as well. Yeah. That's interesting. I, uh, you know, too bad you weren't around three years ago when I was in the cannabis business. <laughs> Everybody was looking for loans, but then they would like find a loan. It was somebody that's not really a bank. It's just somebody's going to lend for fifteen percent or plus. Yeah. Well, we actually have a fund. All they do is lend in the cannabis space. Yeah, that's all they do. That's so. interesting. So, what are you not doing? My cup of tea. I must say, yeah. it's not my cup of tea, but hey, man, it's legal in Arizona, <laughs> recreational and medicinally. So they voted on it; it's legal. All right, we're okay, but it's not federally legal yet, so you can't move that money around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what what do you do to get in front of audiences aside from podcasts like this? I saw you on a podcast with Quiet Light. I saw you on podcast with. Uh, the guy I just interviewed from uh, uh, Centurica. Hey. Yeah. Now you hey. did the deal for Centurica. Is that right? We we did. Yes. Yeah. How, how did that go? I mean, what was it like working with? Uh... It was great because the cool thing is I'm friends with both the buyer and the seller. So it, ma- it made it very, uh, very easy. I've known Nate for about five years. I've known uh, Chris Yates 
who formerly owned Centurica. I think I've known him maybe seven years. Yeah. So it was easy peasy. I knew everybody and we all got along and, and uh, we got it done. So that was fun. Yeah. What, what, what would you make on that business model of uh, like a multiple on uh, Centurica? What, what was that? I can't, I really can't divulge that information. You'd have to ask Nate, but uh, I, I, I'll <laughs> tell you that, at the like... end of the day, Chris was happy and Nate was happy. And and it really did dovetail very well into Nate's existing business. So Sellerplex. Was, yeah. Oh, Sellerplex. It was just like a perfect match. So I was happy to see that um, both ha- parties were, um, got what they wanted and, and both parties walked away very happy. And um and Nate's crushing it. I mean, it really was a perfect fit. It was just unbelievable. Yeah. How, how, do, how long does that process take to, you know, Nate reaches out to you and just like, yeah. this could be anonymous. It doesn't have to be Nate. Just like somebody reaches out to you, puts a, finds a business, you help them. You now have consulting where you actually help somebody find a business, what they're looking for, and then right. make an offer, put an LOI, uh, and agree on it and then start the process. So I'll start like from, from the fully executed LOI to closing uh, with, a, you know, working with clients that are completely engaged. It takes about 60 days. We do have clients where it takes longer because they're, they're not engaged. I mean, just like when your accountant does your taxes and he needs information from you, he's working at the same pace as you are. So uh, so there is a little bit of frustration with some of our clients. You know, their process does take longer because um, they don't get us what we need and what we're right out of the gate asked asked for. So, um, so it just depends, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. You know, it's it, generally about sixty days. Yeah. What about the process for the larger fund? Do you have any idea what that sense what that's going to weeks? Six to eight weeks. Yes. Yeah. And they will fund faster, let's say, like, hey, we love the deal. Let's get this going. Let's get the asset purchase agreement. Is it a, is it going to be a yeah. stock deal or asset purchase agreement on some of the larger deals? It could be either one. Uh, generally, it's asset. But right now, we're doing a stock purchase on another deal. Um, but I would say it's there's more front end, but less paperwork. So the process takes about the same. I think if you look at the... Um, the oh gosh, I'll just say the pain in the ass factor is a lot less on the larger deals, actually. <laughs> Why is that pain in the ass factor? Which is, I'm a, I used to call it this because I went through the SBA process, I tried to buy this uh, uh portfolio of courses, and it was a financial proctology. Yeah. I mean, both of us, we had a partner at the time, we were over 50, and he goes, like, Dude, do we really want to sign a personal guarantee at 50 and go after all our assets, really? Well, they they won't go after your assets, but but yeah, there's a personal guarantee involved because generally when you're buying a business, you know there's no there there. You don't have assets. The business generally, you know, it's it's all goodwill lending. So lenders need something to hang their hat on. So, right. Uh, now our our larger deals, we don't have a personal guarantee requirement at all, but we also have a minimum, and that's you know the business has to pull in at least two million dollars in EBITDA or SDE. Uh, per year to qualify. So um two million dollars in EBITDA or or SDE. Yeah. 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 Which translates to about seven or eight million dollars in you know 
enterprise value roughly. Well, what if so, what's their recourse if the buyer screws it up? Generally, they're it's they're non-recourse. Non-recourse. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and th- there's no personal guarantee. Non-recourse. Right. Interesting. It's getting more and more attractive because I'm looking at a deal right now at twelve million bucks. So, you it, yeah. And it's uh, it's been really fun actually, John, rolling that out and seeing the response has been just tremendous. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's one thing. You know, I, we're specialists over here, and we really take a consultative approach with our clients, and it's uh, it's fun. I enjoy coming to work each and every day. Yeah. When, if I brought you a deal like that size and uh, what would you need from me? Really at, at first it would be the financials of the business, uh, maybe a deck that you put together and as well as a SIM. Uh, and then we take it from there. We first review all that information, um, determine the level of interest, and then uh, we'll schedule a call with you and really dive deep in terms of what your um you know, your overall experiences, your overall liquidity, and also what you plan on doing with the business. So, uh, and then from there, we, you know, we move forward from there. Yeah. And how much uh, score would you give? It's like, look, I'm not going to run the business. I'm in a holding company working above the business. If the guy wants to stay on the roll of equity over one option or B number two person in the business, He's staying. I'd like to move him up. Is there kind of a uh, like, hey, w- we love that scenario? Or that's a really good question. So generally, we don't like, regardless of if it's SBA or a capital access fund, we don't like absentee ownership. Uh, candidly, it really doesn't usually doesn't work out very well. Um, so we we want the owner to be engaged and be involved with the day to day. Um, so kind of an absentee ownership, no matter where you go for, for financing is generally a no go. Um, so we generally, so if the, if the owner, the current owner staying on, that definitely helps, but we also make sure that the new buyer is engaged, is running the day to day. Yeah. So what does that equity rollover look like? Are we kind of giving an example of what the private equity does? They'll buy, 60 or 80% of the business and they, you know, give it the uh, seller, the equity rollover, stay with the business. Your second bite of the apple will be larger than the first bite, but exactly. that's, be- that's be- because there's some kind of liquidity event down the road where a larger private equity firm buys that portfolio or they go public or something. That's exactly right. Right. So you would exactly. like to see at that point, some type of, roadmap for that to be happening to say, Hey, we'd like to see 20% equity rollover. We don't require equity or an equity role. It just, I, I kind of like it, honestly, personally, I think it's, it, it gives solace to an underwriter going, okay, the current owner is staying on. He, he or she's going to uh, keep running the business just like he or she has up till now, uh, or they have, maybe it's a group of people. And, and, it really helps the deal, I think. Um, and we generally, if there's not a role and the, the current owner is not staying on, we definitely look for a transitionary period where um, the owner will help with um, the transfer of, of the business, generally over three to six months, sometimes even as long as a year, uh, to stay on as a consultant. 
and really help with that transition. So we see a lot of that. We see a lot of seller notes, which also helps keep the seller engaged. Uh, yeah. The, well, what, what's the, the seller market. note you look for? What's comfortable you look for? 10%, 20%, 50 Um, Both with SBA and- Well, let's uh, say the larger one. The SBA, I understand, is the you know, seller note subordinate to the SBA. I would say 10% is a common seller note number, yeah. 10% of the acquisition price. That's very common. Even in the larger deals? Even in larger yeah. deals. Well, what common. would you what would you say if it was large? If, if the buyer was to negotiate a higher seller note? Less risk for a lending institution. So yeah. we're all good. Yeah. Yeah. And earnouts are very common. Yeah. So, how do you how do you handle earnouts and loans because earnouts to me you know the seller i mean the seller is still really involved and you've got to prove that earnout that those that money's actually cash flow is happening yeah yeah i mean earnouts are very common really i mean post act i mean obviously we take the earnout into consideration but um it really doesn't um doesn't impact a lending decision it really doesn't no, because obviously it, they have to hit certain revenue tiers. Well, to, it, it, it may know. affect cash flow, but if it's yeah, it, yeah, if the business is growing, it's not going to be any worse than it currently is. So, right, and if, so yeah, the uh, down there's there's no downside if you structure the earn out correctly. If like the business lose money, you don't get any money. <laughs> right, but of course well, the SBA lenders or or the your new funds not going to get any money either. Yeah. So these are non-recourse. So that's pretty awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Great. What else? So let me give you a story. We were trying to buy this one business and I'd say we're probably newbies or didn't un understand or uh, were aware of funding sources like a family office or something like that. Uh, so we hired an, an uh, investment bank out of San Francisco, one of the larger ones. You could probably identify it pretty easily. Uh, and we spent a lot of money on that. And they weren't able to find a source for funding. But they, at the end of their engagement, 90 engagements, they said, you know, you are not allowed to contact these banks <laughs> for one year. Um, how, how do you work? I mean, do you are you getting a points on the commission from the sale of the business, or do you charge me twenty five thousand dollars like an investment bank? So we require exclusivity um, because at the end of the day, if you're not committed to us, we're you know we're not going to invest time in in shoring up financing for our clients. So we require exclusivity, and uh, depending on the transaction, we generally charge uh, our clients a point and a half. And then that gets actually tacked on to a loan in most cases. But we do also collect a $25,000 retainer fee up front. And that gets credited to towards our success fee. Yeah. So if I was trying to get a $12 million loan from going to you and you'd uh, source it out, uh, I still pay, I'm paying you $25,000. Or am yes. I paying you $25,000 after? No, you're paying us. It's a it's a retainer fee, so it's up front. Oh, okay. Gotcha. gotcha. And the reason we do that is that um, like our time's valuable. Yeah. And also our uh, vast array of lending partners 
we don't want a situation where we're providing them with opportunities and they never close a deal with us. Yeah. So it makes us look bad. So we collected twenty five thousand dollars to hedge against that, including obviously our valuable time, and it it, it doesn't cover anything. I mean, you know, no, no, you I, I get it. I mean, like it, yeah. it it's it's you got to ante up if you're going to play cards in Vegas at the the big tables. Yeah, but but you know, we're able to what we're able to do for our clients is really instead of them going out looking for funding. We, we take care of that for them. They're able to stick to their day job in, in running the company or, or growing their portfolio. And, uh, and we have a lot of contacts in the capital markets and as well as on the SBA side. And uh, we have a 98% success fee. So 98% uh, success rate. Yeah. yeah. So how many of those deals, I have to tell you, when we hired this bank and then they couldn't find the money for us for this acquisition. So they said, Hey, we're going to end our engagement. And they sent mm -hmm. this list of companies. It was a very small list. I go, this is all you went out to sourced to find that deal. And that was it. It was like 10 of them were just SBA banks. Like, and then maybe five of them were, uh, you know, family offices or some, uh, you know, some other lending institution, which was a, 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 a lot higher interest rates, like 15, 20%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How many do you have to go to? Oh, dozens. Dozens. Yeah. It's rare that, that we have to though, because we do so much vetting on the front end. We don't need to go to dozens, but we have dozens available. Okay. Um, and generally I would say three to five is probably a good number because we're really, you know, again, we do a lot of upfront between vetting the business and knowing, you know, we have, we're very much dialed in on where we're going to go to for the financing. And, and also we have a very good sense of what our buyer uh, profile looks like. So it's rare that we have a situation where we have to shift gears. Um, so, um, but it, back to the, you know, the bank not allowing you to go direct, that's very common um, because once that, that relationship is developed between the intermediary the lending institution and the client that's pretty much you know cutting the the intermediary out is is really uh a well off. let me let me give you an example one of the banks they introduced us to was live oak bank and i go wait a minute wait a minute i mean first of all live oak bank just sent me a login to fill out information and to contact anybody there for questions they threatened people at live oak bank from calling me talking to them directly. I go, look, I'm not going to go through a financial proctology and not be able to talk to the bank that's going to lend me money. Yeah. 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 That's, I, we've never. Yeah. Like, that was just a weird scenario, but uh, we, you know, we ended our engagement with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's been really illuminating because, and I'm glad that there's new offers out there for larger acquisitions. Yeah. And are you uh, actively kind of doing, let's say, talking to your client list of people that are doing one to seven million and they've exhausted their SBA, but then now they have a new source to make another acquisition from this new fund? They do. They, you know, go up market, definitely. Uh, yeah. And we do have clients that, that went from, I, I just think of one client, it went from that million dollar acquisition seven years ago. And uh, I think he just sold a business for, I think it's $40 million. No way. Was, what were they selling? Yeah. yeah. 
Um, it was it was uh, it was a content website. That's believe it or not, a content so website. Yeah, yeah. And and now he's looking to buy a very sizable business, like two hundred million. So it's uh, so it's been really. It's been part of the the greatest thing. Part of my job is 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 watching our clients over time really kind of up their game. Starting off with that first acquisition and moving forward with um, subsequent acquisitions and eventually selling those and then really going up market and buying a twenty or thirty or fifty million dollar business. Yeah, well, that's because you've been around for a long time providing value, <laughs> Stephen. So. Let me go back to this part. So the twenty five thousand, uh, when this is paid. So let's say I find a business, and I get you the financials, uh, and then you take it to your underwriter. When when am I paying you guys twenty five thousand? Uh, we're okay. So for our capital access fund, once we're certain, we could short financing for you, and once you're under LOI and ready to move forward with financing, that's when we collect it. We don't collect it. Like we could vet businesses for you and make a determination if we're interested in moving forward with any given opportunity. Uh, but we don't collect our retainer until you're under LOI. You're, you know, your 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 offer's been accepted, and we're moving forward with the financing. Yeah. So let me give you an example. Let's say two scenarios. One is I send you the financials, uh, and it's a it, it's a great business. It's doing twelve million dollars. It's very profitable. Uh, it two million or three million in EBITDA, and I send the the business to you. Three years of financials, cash flow statement, balance sheet, all that stuff. You're like, oh my god, this is great. Uh, you're going to give me a phone call back and say, hey, the underwriters will do sixty percent of it, or we'll do eighty percent of it. Some kind of call yeah. like that, right? And you're going to yeah, usually, yeah. yeah. I mean, usually within a couple of days. And we might come back with questions like, is there equity role or what's the deal structure kind of going to look like? And we're able to give, you know, we're able to structure it in that way. So, yeah, usually a couple of days. Okay. Great. And one thing I need to note, like the $25,000 retainer, that's non-SBA loans. With yeah, SBA that's, loans, all, that's all I'm referring. I'm not referring yeah. to, yeah. We don't collect any money on, on SBA loans. Yeah. Well, Stephen, again, thank you for being... Uh, my guest on the top M&A entrepreneurs today. Thanks again for having me.